welcome to the World We Live In podcast. I'm your host, Eric Patterson. Alongside me is Kyle Malden. Join us as we explore the amazing, mysterious aspects of our planet's cultures, history, and future trends. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Good to be back with you. We have been dark for a few weeks. Um, apologies on that. But we are back, back at it, and... We have an interview this week with the Singular Fortean Society out of Madison, Wisconsin, run by Emily and Tobias Wayland. Um, I found these guys online a couple weeks ago, um, read over some of their stuff, reached out for an interview. They were more than willing to do so. So I greatly appreciate them coming on. We had a great talk, um, lots of information about the Mothman, recent sightings that they have um, explored. Um, interviewed and just kind of stuff that they have they have been working on concerning that. Um, you can go check out their website. At, just type in Singular Fourteen and it'll come up. Really cool name, um, and their website's awesome. So go check them out. Um, and also, just a heads up, we had a couple audio issues. Um, it's nothing major. Just some of the voice double overed. Um, so if you hear something just kind of a little messed up. Apologies, um, but I didn't want to get rid of the interview because I really enjoyed talking to these guys and the information they had um, is is really really cool, and um, so yeah. And without further ado, here they are. My name is Tobias, um, and I'm the head writer and editor for the Singular Fortean Society. And um, this is my uh, lovely wife uh, Emily. Hello. And I'll let her <laughs> introduce herself. What, uh, what do you do? Um, I'm the designer and photographer for the Singular Fortean Society. Yeah, she is the reason that I am not another lone nut sort of ranting, you know, <laughs> in green text on a black background. So, I mean, it's it's invaluable, <laughs> frankly. And uh, so sort of how this came uh, about is, um, you know, probably, God, I don't know, about 11 years ago now, I was a, a MUFON field investigator. And... For, you know, various reasons, uh, after uh, several years of, of doing that, uh, I just, I left to, to be independent and sort of just investigated on my own for a while, and uh, then I met Emily, and, um, you know, we hit it off right away, and she shared some of my interests, and, uh, you know, we got to talking about it, and, you know, we thought, hey, we have a, a, a real opportunity here to sort of combine our, our talents, like my background is in writing and, you know, obviously her background is in uh, design and, and photography, you know, why not um, get creative with it and, and form sort of our own uh, investigative and journalistic um, organization, you know, because that's, that's how we like to think of ourselves is as something of an organization, you know, that's why we made sure to put society in, in, in the title there because mm -hmm. we don't want it to be just us, you know, right. it's, it's, it's got to include other people who are interested in this stuff. Uh, you know, otherwise we're just screaming into the void. So, um, you know, that's a little bit of background on us. I think that, that sort of sums up why we, we do it. And then as far as our, our focus and, and mission and stuff, um, you know, I, I think that fundamentally we want to help people. You know, I had some, some weird experiences growing up as a kid and, mm -hmm. And it sort of led me, uh, I, I think, to, to sympathize very heavily with people who have these sorts of, you know, seemingly impossible experiences. 
Um, and so, you know, if we can uh, investigate somebody's experience, um, whether it's explainable or not, uh, if, if, if we can at least give them comfort in knowing that, you know, somebody is listening, uh, somebody is, is willing to share their story and, and you know, provide community um, and, and whatever else they're, they're looking for, then I, I, you know, I call that a win, I think. So um, that's, you know, that's, that's sort of what we're about. Yeah. yeah, I mean that basically sums it up. We can always go deeper, but oh, sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. I'm a writer. I can talk about myself all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, no, that's that's um, that's cool that you guys uh, that's cool that you guys were able to meet up and uh, develop develop this thing together. Uh, that's yeah, it's a very cool story. Um, but okay, uh, and now we get back to where I started before I jumped ahead of myself. <laughs> um, okay, so this Mothman phenomena, a uh, quick background just in case um, listeners are unaware, but um, and Phil, and I'm just going to do a quick overview, guys. If you, I, know, I know the general story, um, but if you have more detail that you want to add, um, please, after I'm done doing this, um, feel, free to, feel free to hop in. Um, sure. But in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, at the uh, end of 66 and went all the way through to the end of 1967, there was a flying uh, black humanoid that um, individuals of the Point Pleasant area witnessed. Um, I guess you could say it was made famous by um, Gray Barker and uh, John Keel's books um, that they wrote about the phenomena. Um, John Keel was, I don't know, I, I can't remember if Gray Barker was there, but I do know John Keel was there, uh, in Point Pleasant. Um, there were also, um, Men in Black reportedly, uh, there as well. Um, and then pop culture wise, I guess that whole incident was made famous by Richard Gere. Uh, well, I should say the movie, uh, that Richard Gere was in based off John Keel's story. And then, um, so the sightings ended in 67 with the collapse of the Silver Bridge. Um, I know a lot of, I don't, well, I shouldn't say a lot of people, but I've heard that, um, this sort of entity, uh, some people believe he's like a bringer of doom considering the bridge collapsed. Um, so I guess let me get your guys' thoughts on kind of the original sightings and then um, after that, kind of what you guys have talked, because I know you talked to uh, Lon Strickler um, about some of the stuff he's covered. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of your thoughts on the whole updated phenomena. Sure. So the uh, original Mothman sightings, as, as it were, it's, it's actually funny. Uh, Gray Barker uh, turned John Keel onto that story. Uh, okay. John Keel was a, a, a journalist, and at that time he was investigating UFOs, and uh, and and you know he was friends colleagues with with uh, Gray Barker, who had had told him that he needed to get to Point Point in West Virginia because because people were reporting this this winged entity. Um, and uh, yeah, yeah, it, it it's interesting. Like if you go back and read Keel's uh, uh, most famous book on on the, the subject, the Mothman Prophecies. Um, you know, it, he doesn't. This 
the, the entire narrative on just those um, uh, uh, pleasant sightings. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, he tries to put it in context of what well, tries he. He succeeds. I, I would, I would, in, uh, in, uh, in, in a, a large context of uh, strange uh, winged creature sites uh, all, all, all over that area. So, uh, if, if you sort of zoom out uh, just a little bit from from point that you see everything from um, you know UFOs to, to you know giant and to not birds uh, to, to all manner of craziness, and then you know when you uh, back in to the, the just specifically at um, that 1966 to 67 Point Pleasant flap, uh, um, you, you see a lot of uh, similarities, but then also you see uh, some some strange strange uh, idiosyncrasies. Um, I guess specifically the the um, Men in Black. Uh, you know, he does does talk a bit about a contactee case. Um, that is not not necessarily re- related to to Mothman, but again, he puts it into the the, the larger context of those sightings. Um, it's it's the, the relatively famous uh, case of uh, injured cold, injured cold, cold, uh, uh, supposed uh, UFO occupant that introduced him himself to a, a man one day after you know, stopping on the, the <laughs> um, highway, and um, so. I guess you know the, the the men in black. If 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 you want, could sort of get into that that, that category of um, human-like other, you know, similar to to uh, injured cold because they did famously act very you know otherworldly, sort of um, confused by their surroundings, as though they didn't you know necessarily know how to how to human. Um, so as you know, as, as, as to how that relates to what we're doing, um, I think that if you approach the sightings around Lake Michigan in the same way, um, you, you basically see almost the exact same thing. So you've got this, this sort of core phenomenon of, uh, of winged creature sightings, you know, very consistent reports of, of this this being that uh, bears an uncanny resemblance to what you know people were were talking about in uh, Point Pleasant back in the 60s and then if you zoom out a little bit um, you get all manner of associated you know high strangeness I've received um, you know uh, UFO reports uh, Thunderbird sightings you know so there's those uh, um, anomalous large birds again um, uh, Reported psychic phenomena, um, just uh, all, all manner of of of, uh, of odd sighting reports. Um, and so, interestingly enough, too, and, and you mentioned Lon Strickler, and, and I definitely should talk about Lon because we do work with him very closely. He's a he's a friend and a, a, a good colleague. Um, so this really all started for us, I guess, back in the spring of 2017. So yeah. At that time, you know, I was uh, I was focused on this case as a journalist. I had seen um, these three reports in April of 2017 come through the, uh, the the MUFON database, and they all described this very similar sort of winged creature, um, all seen by people uh, in in different areas of Chicago. 
And, uh, you know, I mean, it seemed like an interesting story, obviously. I had no idea where it was uh, going to go. But, um, you know, I, I picked it up and, and started covering in it. And, and uh, there wasn't a whole lot of follow-up on MUFON's end. I, I spoke to the uh, uh, state director of the uh, Illinois uh, Mutual UFO Network, and, um, you know, he's a, a nice guy named uh, Sam Moranto, and, um, and I don't know that they were ever able to get a hold of any of, of, of those initial three witnesses mm -hmm. in, in 2017. Mm -hmm. And so they, they kind of did their best um, to, to confirm details and, you know, just weather data and, and sort of ge uh, just geographical stuff, you know, whatever you can confirm without actually speaking to anybody. And, um, and, and, and that was kind of it for them. At, at least right away, but you know, for those of us who, who had picked this story up, um, so it was uh, it was us, the Singular Fortean Society, and then uh, uh, Lon Strickler over at Phantoms and Monsters, and uh, Manuel Navarrete over at UFO Clearinghouse, and you know, suddenly, um, especially uh, uh, Manuel and Lon, they just sort of almost immediately became inundated with these reports, you know? So, uh, I mean, Phantoms and, and, and Monsters is a, a very well-established site, and, yep. and it, it, it gets a, 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 a pretty big audience. So, you know, Phantoms and Monsters can cast a pretty wide net when it comes to stuff like this. And so, uh, you know, suddenly all of these reports start rolling in, and, um, and at first I'm covering them as a, a, a journalist. So I'm sort of on the outside looking in and I'm, I'm seeing these uh, reports that these guys are, are publishing and then, you know, um, eventually I'm contacting them for, for interviews and, uh, and, and next thing you know, um, you know, we're starting to get our own reports and, uh, you know, quick, pretty quickly following that, you know, we're all just sort of working together. Um, so... From there, you know, we uh, we had done like that first summer. We had dozens of yeah. reports coming in. Like they were they were coming in faster out of Chicago than I mean anybody could really realistically keep up with them. So this is this is the summer yeah. of 2017. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, it it, it started in 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 that April, and then in May on, it just sort of took off. Mm -hmm. and, and, it sort of took a, a, a life of its own. And, uh, and yeah, so that summer, I mean, we were all pretty busy mm -hmm. um, with these, these reports flooding in. And um, they were, you know, they, they were pretty consistent. Um, you know, most of them were of a bat or, or bird-like, you know, uh, uh, winged flying humanoid, basically. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes people would report, you know, like red eyes. Um, that color would vary a little bit. Sometimes yeah. you would get orange. Yellow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Any, anything sort of on that spectrum. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I, I started doing research on it, of course. And, um, the, you know, some of them could have rational explanations, I, I think. Not all, but, but definitely some. So, you know, between 2017 and, and, and 2018, um, and I'll have to condense a lot of time here yeah. because, you know, we've got probably 100 
reports <laughs> that we've worked at, at, at this point. So um, hard to summarize. It, yeah, I bet. Well, yeah, it, it, it is. So, like, we kind of just deal in very, mm-hmm. very broad strokes. Right. So, um, in, in my research between 2017 and 2018, uh, you know, because I have to try to rule out any, any mundane explanations, you know, any, any, anything that, that we know to exist. And, and some of the reports I found definitely sounded an awful lot like they, they could be some sort of large bird. And the reason for that specifically was part, well, partly it was the lack of descriptive detail provided. Uh, and, and, and so that, that told me a couple of things. Um, one, they probably didn't get a really good look at it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and two, from the, the, the detail that they did describe, there's nothing about it that couldn't be some kind of large bird. And so they would also describe certain uh, behavioral characteristics like, um, you know, uh, being near, near, you know, water or a, a, a natural area, um, you know, um, um, and, uh, and, and, and even actually giving off uh what sounded in its description suspiciously like a, a, a bird call, frankly. Mm-hmm. So I, I think one of the witnesses described the, the call as sounding similar to some, something like a, a train breaks as it's slowing down. Yeah. So, I mean, anybody, anybody can go online, and if you look up, you know, either the sound that a crane or, or a, a heron makes, I mean, that's <laughs> that's what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the other thing... I noticed, noticed that most of the the sightings that I thought were the likeliest to be large larger were the ones that sort of in context I think made the most sense to be large birds too. So so it'd be like during the day while somebody was out fishing at like the little Calumet River or or some other you know relatively I, I mean it's wilderness obviously but you know a a, a a natural area where something like like that could live, you know. Water. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, because they love love winds, and there's a ton of you know land around there because it's this great lake. Um, and so I think that definitely explains some, some of the sightings and sort of the yeah tragedy of, of of that is when I when. When I say that, when I tell I tell that some of them were probably birds, um, nobody nobody loves nuance. Nobody 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 wants there to be, be multiple explanations for for individual sightings. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in this flap, flap and, you know, some some of them probably are large birds, and, and, and then you know, when I tell people that they they want to want to say think that they're all large birds, or um, you know, they, they want to decide that they. That because that might explain some must explain all and, and, and that simply isn't so mm-hmm. you know I mean you I, I think that we've got two, two seemingly disparate but uh, concurrent phenomena happening you know mm-hmm. uh, one of which is climate change leading to um, the uh, uh, well it's it's leading to a change in the migration pattern of large migratory birds like like herons and and, and that's something that's scientifically measurable and that's something that has been measured 
and, and, and there are studies showing that uh, that are freely available to anybody who cares. And, uh, and, and one of the results of that is that birds like cranes and herons are coming north earlier and they're staying north longer and they're even wintering in areas where they otherwise normally wouldn't be. And, uh, and so that's, that's part of it. Um, and I always like to get that out of the way first because it's what most people consider the boring part. But that's <laughs> definitely part yeah. of it. Um, but then, honestly, that's, that's a relatively small minority of these sightings. So the other part is these fantastic nighttime encounters people are having with some red-eyed winged monstrosity, and, and, and none of those lend themselves so easily to explanation. And the other thing is, um, you know, anybody who thinks that this is just localized to Chicago, uh, it, it isn't. You know, at this point, we've received... Uh, reports from every state bordering. Yeah. yeah, it's it's well, yeah, Indiana, Wisconsin, Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, Illinois, Michigan, um, every state bordering Lake Michigan. Uh, they, they they are all very similar. And um, the other interesting thing about that too is once these uh, sightings started, and once once they really got going. And, uh, and, and people really started paying attention, we started getting a lot of historical sightings. So the oldest one of those that, that we have actually came into Lawn, and um, it's, it, it's from a guy named, uh, I believe his name was Floyd Hancock, and uh, he lives in Indiana, uh, I believe it's uh, Rolling Prairie, yes, Indiana. Yes, yeah. Sounds it. right. And, uh, and so this guy actually had his encounter when he was a, a, a little boy in 1969. It was October 27, 1969, less than two years after the Silver Bridge marked, uh, mar the, the collapse of the Silver yep. Bridge marked the end of those uh, Point Pleasant sightings. Um, you know, Floyd had his encounter in Rolling Prairie, which is about 400 miles away from, um, from uh, Point Pleasant. So, frankly, not so far as the Mothman flies, I think. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I, I, I'm glad you laughed because I was really proud of that one. Uh, <laughs> thank you. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it's just really interesting because, I mean, people say, you know, why did this start again? Why Lake Michigan? Um, you know, why this or why that? And, and, and I don't know that it did start again. Mm -hmm. I don't know that this represents a new phenomenon at all, frankly. Um, I think that it is a very old phenomenon um, that has been continuous since at least the 1960s, as far as we know. Um, and I think that it's just sort of coming out because of the attention being paid to it now. Right, and it's, I mean, once a lot of those sightings got brought back into a big metropolitan an area too I think that mm -hmm. kind of like creates like a local well, it, um, it got on national news at that point I think wasn't our website even linked off some Chicago music festival oh yeah Riot Fest yeah, yeah uh, and, and yeah there were there were a lot of people in 2017 and in 2018 who uh, became very interested in, mm -hmm. in this this sighting flap um, so I, I, I know Lon I think did an article with Vice yeah. And there were, you know, there was a, 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 a lot of media coverage. And, you know, it's, 
it certainly makes life interesting when stuff <laughs> like that happens. Um, because yeah, on, on the one hand you get, um, a lot more people aware of what's going on and, and you can get more reports and, yeah. uh, you know, and on the other hand, uh, once that happens, um, you know, you get a lot of people that just kind of want to be a part of something, um, whether they be, um, you know, um, sort of, uh, uh amateur investigators or, uh, or, or like media proud Chicagoans. Don't you call them Chicagoans? I'm sure. Maybe. <laughs> That's let's use yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> and so you know, at, at, at that point, sort of everybody wanted a a, a piece of it, and um, uh, the 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 good part of that really was that we ended up with um, with a lot of these historical sightings, and and hopefully we were able to to help a lot of people who. Who kind of felt like they didn't, you know, have anywhere else to go. Oh, sure, yeah. Because I think they were, they're like, oh, now that this making a bunch of noise about it, I can come out about this thing in right. 1969 or 2011 or... Oh, sure. Well, and, and we're, you know, us weirdos don't always think about this kind of stuff. But, I mean, dude, no, normal people haven't heard of the Mothman. Like, yeah. just regular normal people don't know about the Point Pleasant sightings. Like, they weren't aware of that phenomenon. Like, they had no idea, so they would see this stuff, and they just assumed people would think that they were crazy, because they had no idea that a hundred other people had seen it in 1966, um, and so they just felt like they didn't have any place to go with it, uh, you know, a lot of these people felt like they couldn't even tell their own family, uh, and if they did, you know, God forbid they did tell their friends or family or something, they would usually just sort of universally be laughed at, um, be like the joke at Thanksgiving and nobody wants that. Oh yeah, nobody wants to be that guy. So <laughs> you know, and so it was it, it was it was one of the, the, the more positive <laughs> outcomes I think of, yeah. of the case getting heavy media attention was um, was was making people aware of it who might otherwise not be who would have similar experiences. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that was nice. But I mean that was sort of 2017-2018. Yeah. Uh, we don't really get many uh, reports out of Chicago, at least not as many. Uh-huh. It's definitely steadied down. Yeah, and it's, I mean, it's difficult to know exactly why. Yeah. Um, I think part of it could be, because there were a lot of reports coming out of Chicago. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, well, like you mentioned before, you know, some people have speculated about Mothman as a, a harbinger of, of doom, you know, some, some portentous entity. Uh, but, but I, I mean, I, I don't that to be true. Uh, and, and I don't, I don't know who the particular large scale tragedy that happened in Chicago. I mean, a million little tragedies happen there every day. Yeah. For sure, yeah. For sure, for but, sure. uh, but, but, but nothing major that, that Nerds is collapsing and, no, of course not. And nothing like no major, you know, you know, uh, denouement that, that that would have um, sort of segued out of this case. So, so right. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 hard to say. Part of me thinks that uh, part part of the reason we get fewer reports out of Chicago is because a lot of it of it was the large bird stuff, hmm. and like specifically Chicago was a lot of people in an urban setting who used to seeing herons fly around all over the place. 
Um, and so they kind of got used to the, used to that, and they're not not reported as often, um, which you know could be the the, the case, you know. Um, but otherwise, otherwise, I I don't really know. But what we get a good amount of reports from other areas around like Michigan, mm-hmm. um, and so that so that's very promising um, as as far as as that's concerned. It hasn't gone away, away for oh, sure. No, yeah, it, it, it hasn't gone away. Uh, had a an interesting little flap. It's really more of a flutter, flutter, frankly, yeah. uh, of, of Woodstock, Illinois, relatively recently, mm-hmm. where uh, this was was just this year, wasn't it? I say we went there in March. Yes, okay. it was cold and it was raining. Was <laughs> Sounds about right. We, we know. Yeah. Um, so there was a, a a guy. I mean, and this is this this is honestly the story for most of these sightings. Like, the, the, the very beginning of this is so typical, typical as to uh, uh, people's experience when it comes to stuff like this. So, this guy had driven to Walgreens, uh, of all places, and, you know, he's driving home, yeah, just a completely, completely whole evening. So he had to run to the drug drugstore or something, and he's on his way home, and he's passing this uh, wetland nature area. That that uh, is in his neighborhood. Um, this is this is uh, again this is this is what Illinois. But it's not a real big city. Um, I think it's got what twenty some thousand people maybe. Yeah. But he kind of lived uh, out on the the edge of it. Yeah. You know, because there's there's developments out there, but they are next to like this nature area. And so uh, this guy's driving home, and um, he sees in his headlights this large. Uh, um, humanoid creature, you know, I, I think he, he described it even as, as having this sort of dark fur. Mm. And um, he said that uh, it had these, you know, large leathery wings on its back. And and, and this is, you know, relatively quickly. Um, this thing crosses in, in front of him and between this, this house and, and this hedgerow, and uh, and it's just gone, you know, because it's 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 nighttime. He couldn't really see much outside of the the uh, purview of his his, his headlights, <laughs> and um, and 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 that was that, you know. And um, he uh, he he got a hold of us. He he talked to Lon first, and then I, I talked to him just after that. Uh, Lon's out of uh, Pennsylvania, so okay. when it comes to you know on site investigation and stuff, it's usually up to uh, me and, and, and Emily to go, you know, drive and, and, and check things out. And um, and so I, I, I talked to the guy, and, and, you know, he was he was nervous. I mean, I, w- I would say, honestly, when I talked to him, he sounded pretty scared. Mm. He didn't ask to come, even. But he, I, he didn't at first. He was very reluctant to, uh, um, to, to trust us, to trust anybody, frankly. Uh, so it I, I had to talk to him for a little while to, to really sort of explain, you know, exactly what we did and, and, and what our interest was in this. Um, and, and that's very typical, too, yeah. honestly. Um, you know, a lot of people have a lot of doubts about this investigation because so few of these witnesses want to come forward. And, um, and, and, and I understand that it can be difficult necessarily just to take our word for something. Um, but, I mean, if, if people talk to these witnesses and they heard how scared they were, um, 
it, I mean, it, it, it shouldn't be any surprise to anybody that most of them don't want to come forward. Frankly, we've been seeing since the, the 40s what happens to people's lives when they come forward about something like this. And if it gets, God forbid, if it gets picked up by the national news or something, it can ruin your whole life. Mm. And, and people know that. Like, this is a narrative that is understood by people because we've seen it happen in real time for decades. Like, there's a point uh, after the, the, the 70s, like sometime during the 80s, I would guess right around when, when Whitley Strieber was, was busy having his career ruined over communion, mm. that people just didn't want to come forward anymore. And so you get a lot of that fear when you're talking to people because they, they don't want to have their life ruined over something like this. They're, they're, they're mystified and, and, and you know, in awe of what they've seen, but you know, people are still usually practical enough to, to not, want to, um, not want to disrupt their lives on that level. And so it, it, it took a little convincing. But, um, you know, I, we're very good about keeping people anonymous. And so, you know, we, we got to go down there. We, we, we met with the witness. Uh, he took us around to where the, the sighting took place. And so we were able to, to get a good, you know, lay of the land and everything. And, I um, mean, he seemed very credible to me. There are details of his life that we are privy to that I can't share because they would identify him. Yeah. But that make him a very credible witness, and um, and and so we took his story very seriously, and um, and, and and you know it it didn't end with him. No, either, is the other interesting thing really mm -hmm. about Woodstock. Um, you know, then we started getting other reports. Uh, I, I I talked to a lady um, from a town nearby who had said just a few years earlier, she had seen almost the exact same thing uh, out, outside of her, her apartment, apartment building, which, yeah. again, was also near this, hmm. this like, natural area. Um, and, you know, honestly, if I may, if, if I may digress, too, uh, I, I, I don't know why this is, but the reports of the things that I think very well could be large birds and the reports of things that are definitely not large birds take place in very similar areas. And I don't know why that is. Hmm. Yeah. You know, like there's always uh, some body of water nearby, be that a, a stream or a river or a wetland. Um, you know, there's, there's usually some sort of nature preserve. But what's different about, about this? the birds versus the monsters that they always describe like more like bat, bat like leather wings for the most part and the general humanoid shape right yeah. there's, there's no way that that description we receive for the cases that i'm convinced are not birds could be of, of birds right and, and you know i i've spoken to to, to witness to witness where i I know, know the difference. Like I, I, I know I'm speaking to a, a, a witness, and they're describing something to me uh, that could easily be, be a, a large bird or something. Mm -hmm. It's 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 very different. Like they they talk about the human humanoid shape. They don't have good details describing it, 
Um, because if they, they did, they would have known that what they've just seen was a, a, a large bird or something. Mm-hmm. And so, anyways, so we we started getting a report from from that area. So we, we had a baby who had seen something. There was there was actually uh, uh, she had a a UFO sighting. Um, I don't know if it had anything to do with the uh, the future uh, sighting, but uh, she seemed to think that it it, it was possible that they that they were did. Uh, they, they they took place in the exact same area. Um, and so she had she had seen this 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 curve. And previous to that, actually, she had seen. Uh, actually, I don't even know if we could, could cause a a UFO sighting because she didn't see craft or anything. She literally saw what looked like a spot spotlight mm-hmm. that just came down out of the the, the clouds, mm-hmm. um, and then then described it as, as retracting up into the 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 clouds. You know, sort of like mm-hmm. like the solid object made out of light that is just, you know, sort of retracting. Instead of, instead of like, when you turn a light off, it, it's gone. Yeah. This, you know, just disappeared slowly upward. Makes me think of, like, like the description makes me think of, like, like Disney's Tinkerbell, or she, she, far away, she's just, like, a ball of light moving around kind of freely, and she'll go up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's impossible to say. It was, uh, I mean, it was, it was, it was unusual, and and um, <laughs> honestly, as somebody who's investigated UFOs for years before I even uh, ex- uh, expanded out into the other weirdness, um, that was a pretty new one to me. Like I, I hadn't recalled, you know, ever ever hearing of, of anything exactly like what she had described before. Um, although I mean, I don't know, somebody else probably has, but yeah. I, I personally had, <laughs> had not. Um, and so. You know, we, we, we had received that, and then uh, on, on top of it all, the, the, the other reason Woodstock is so significant is because it was the first place that we uh, ended up with tangible proof that um, somebody had involved the authorities. Like, one of the, the major criticisms that, that we had received um, regarding... Uh, this this series of, of sightings was you know why doesn't anybody ever call the the police mm. you know and I usually explain that by saying I wouldn't frankly <laughs> um, well I mean you know like people people used to especially in small towns you know like maybe they were on a first name basis with the local constable and so yeah they felt comfortable calling that guy but just like people don't want to come forward anymore. You know, people learned, you know, through decades of observation what happens to people when they come forward. Well, they also learned through the same observation that the police aren't going to do anything uh, other than put your name in an official record. And then if people find out about it, they'll think you're a kook. So uh, it's 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 not something that anybody's motivated to do for right. the, the, the most part. But, you know, I, I don't know. Like, God bless this one guy because he did. And, um, and so he had contacted us and, uh, and said that he had seen something very similar to what the original witness had seen. Uh, he was outside of the, the CBS. It was relatively late at night. And, and so he, he, he saw this thing uh, through a fence, and it's sort of, you know, out on this, um, 
this uh, fairground. Mm-hmm. So if, if, if you can picture this, that, that fairground next to the, the CVS is actually just behind the house that the uh, creature would have ran past uh, during the original witnesses' uh, sighting. Right. Okay. So, you know, strangely enough, it's, it's right where that, that thing was headed. Now, this was a completely different day, um, but it's, it's interesting to me because it was the same general area, you know, <laughs> right where the thing had, had been heading, apparently. Also, another pharmacy involved, or whatever. Yeah, I, yeah. that's a real mystery. <laughs> What's with the pharmacy? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, this guy's standing outside, and uh, he, he sees this thing, and he calls 911. Like, he calls the, the, the local 911. Um, but the, the county fairground is, well, it's county property, so they have to get the sheriff involved. And, you know, and he tells me all this, and, uh, you know, so I, I just hail Mary it, and I contact the, uh, the McHenry County Sheriff's Department, and I tell them what happened. I'm like, hey, I was contacted by this guy, um, you know, such and such, and, uh, and he told me that he saw this on this date, and, uh, you know, like, is there an official report or anything, you know, that I can, I, I can request, I, that I can request through FOIA. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be damned if they didn't get back to me, like, relatively quickly, too. That like, was they like were, a day. Right? Like, they, that was some great customer service. They, <laughs> like, they got back to me right away, almost. And, uh, and they, they didn't have an official report. What they had was an incident detail report. And, and what that is, is basically um, a report that's filed for every 911 call um, re- regarding the, the reason for that call. But it showed that this guy, you know, called 911. It showed that he described this this winged creature in, in the, the county fairgrounds. Uh, it showed that a... Uh, a county sheriff's deputy showed up and spoke to him, and and the guy stuck to his story, and um, and and that meant a lot, you yeah. know. Like why? Yeah. I couldn't think of any reason why this guy would do that if he hadn't seen something that scared the crap out of him. Right. You know, and it just nothing else really really makes sense. I I can't say that that proves he saw a Mothman like entity. But it proves that he saw something, I think, mm-hmm. that, again, that that was impactful enough on him that, you know, he, he felt like he needed to get the police involved. Um, so there's something to it. Yeah, totally. You know, and, and like Emily mentioned, we, we still get reports. They, they, mm-hmm. they still come in. They, they've slowed down. Um, and, and, you know, we can only speculate as to why, but yeah, we still get them. No end in sight, really. Doesn't seem to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had, uh, boy, we had one guy, and I don't know who this person was. They used a, uh, a, a pseudonym. Uh, and we didn't actually publish this in our, our news section because I couldn't, I could never follow up on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this actually got published in our uh, reports from the Void column that we do uh, in the, the Singular Journal. So that's the, the website blog. And uh, and we kind of throw everything in there that we're not able to investigate up to our standards. Uh, and this was definitely one of those. Because I get this email from this guy. And, 
And basically what he was saying was that, you know, he had seen something similar however many years ago in a different state, uh, and that he was a, um, what did he say? He said he was a watcher with some religious sect or something that, (laughs) yeah, I know, right? That knows what Mothman is. And sort of what his job is, is to keep tabs on it. And he knew why it was in Woodstock. And, uh, and because, of the re- because the reason it was in Woodstock um, was over now, uh, that it, it had left and nobody needed to worry because it wasn't going to be there again unless, unless that, that reason happened. Mm-hmm. You know, yet another time, I guess. Huh. Um, and I, it, 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 it would be funny, honestly, if the reason that he used wasn't so disgusting. Like there, I, I, I don't know if, if you've, you've heard of this. There was, uh, there was a, 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 a little boy who had been killed, basically, and they found his body in Woodstock. And you know, this guy, the reason he said that the Mothman entity was being seen in Woodstock was because it was leading up to that tragedy. Um, and, and that's why nobody had to worry about it, 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 it being back there. Um, you know, again, I wasn't able to follow up with him. Yeah. Um, it easily could have been some crank. Uh, I, I don't know that it was, but I don't know that it wasn't. And I do know that terrible things happen every day. Every day without Mothman having to be there. For sure. Um, And so, you know, I wasn't really, especially considering what that community had been through. Right. Hmm. Throwing a bunch of normal fuel on that, that it felt disrespectful. And it wasn't something that that we were going to do or anything we were willing to entertain. Yeah. And also, it was like so sad that I wanted to stay away from it. Well, you have to give people. it's fine to speculate about this stuff as long as nobody's getting hurt. You yeah. know, right. Once yeah. you start starting with real people and real, real tragedy, I think we have to have something more to go on than an anonymous email. Yeah. You know, because yeah. that's just, that's heartbreak that you don't need. Mm-hmm. So, but that, that other piece of the, the, the Woodstock puzzle, and I, I, I feel like we would be remiss to, to ignore completely but it's not a, it's not a, a lot of inquiry that we're actively investigating. Right. For sure. Wow. wow. That's, uh, that, that's, yeah, that's, I, I was not expecting, uh, all that. I, I, I'd never, never heard of, I've never, never heard of any of those. Um, so that's awesome. Uh, I, I'm really, yeah, I'm really, I'm really glad you guys are able to, do, um, you guys are able to, like, get out and actually... Like the one, the one that you said you interviewed. I'm, I'm glad that's able to happen because I feel like with uh, with the advent of the internet, it's awesome that like like you you guys reports and like all these other places get reports like Lon's website. Um, but I think it takes away from the personal face to face communication. Like you said, that that guy definitely scared and. I just feel like sometimes the the online line rep takes away from that. So I know it's obviously a huge world. It's awesome when when um, when like the face to face face conversations are able to happen. 
Yeah, no, I mean, Absolutely. honestly, thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it, I, I think it's really thrilling, too. Um, you know, I can tell you, uh, he was a lot less scared after we left. Yeah. And, and I think it meant a, meant a lot we were able to get out there and, like you said, speak to him face-to-face. Um, you know, he was able to be able to mess and see that, that we're just people like him and see what kind of people we, we were or are. are. And, um, and, and, and I think that meant a lot. And, uh, you know, you, you make an important point by bringing that up, that up, I think, because, I mean, the, these are fundamentally experiential phenomena. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's a very real, real element here, and some of that is lost in, you know, um, um, this reporting by by you know, or or something, something. like yeah. I I to at least be able to talk to somebody over the phone. So, because mm-hmm. well, I mean, we get reports from all over the place. And so I had a, a lady that I talked to for boy, she was really nice, probably an hour or two at two least, hours. two hours. Yeah. I, I lose track. Um, just the, the the other night, because she was out in Idaho, and as much as I'd love to just jump on a plane or something and, and fly out to, to Idaho to talk to her face-to-face, it wasn't going to happen, but at the very least, you know, we can talk over the phone, and there's still some of that human connection you're talking about, which is nice. You're so, not just messaging each other. No. Exactly. Yeah, away from... I see a lot of people that'll just sort of share like anonymous reports from like social media. Like they'll go to Reddit or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, That's it's, a wormhole. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. Right. And they'll like go to, you know, whatever subreddit and they'll find somebody's anonymous Bigfoot story and then they'll share it and report on it as though it's fact. Um, I mean, I've used Reddit for leads. Yeah. You know, it can be, you know, it, it, it can be good, for stuff like that, um, but you know, I I want to be able to talk to the person, you know, like I, I'll I'll be I'll at least message them and be like, hey, did this really happen? And can I talk to you about it? You know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, none of that just anonymous sharing of, of whatever you happen to see. Right. So unless there's some you know some other compelling corroboration, I've I've, I've definitely seen stories that have been posted anonymously where the witness was able to give really good detail. And, and it was compelling, and they were answering questions and stuff. And so, you know, some of those can be pretty interesting, but they're, they're still missing that human element. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I know we're, uh, I know we're running almost, uh, almost up an hour, but... Oh, jeez. <laughs> uh, speaking, of, speaking of the human element, I know you guys have a couple local uh, places in Madison that you uh, have been to. Um, the Mabel Tainter Theater... Uh, did I, did I pronounce that correctly? Yeah, it's well, it's the 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 Mabel Tainter. It's in um, Menominee. 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 Okay. Is, that's up closer. That's about three hours north of us, three and a half hours. Okay. And it's up. It's on like the same latitude as like Minneapolis, but it's still in Wisconsin. Gotcha. But uh, yeah, we were there not that long ago. End of April. End of April. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's 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 funny how we how we sort of stumbled into that really. Uh, so we have been contacted. They they're uh, they're having a, a paranormal conference. Okay. And uh, and so they were looking for like vendors and speakers and stuff. And um, and so they had contacted us and and um, and you know I got to talking to them and they were like, well, hey, do you want to you know be on the main stage and and, and talk and you know so and so is going to be here and it'll be great. And I was like, okay, well that sounds fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, they were like, well, hey, and, you know, our theater is also supposed to, to, to be haunted. You know, people have reported a lot of stuff here. 
And so, you know, we were we were about to pass out that opportunity. Obviously. <laughs> no, no. Because they, they, they offered to give us a private tour of this haunted theater. Oh, you know? wow. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we, we, we went and, and, and checked that out. We had a, a private tour. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I didn't really experience anything. Um, Emily had something strange happen to her, though. Sort of. I mean, it's a pretty common phenomena with hauntings, <clears throat> and people experience it a lot. Um, but they're... You downplay it. Like, it, because it's commonly <laughs> reported with hauntings, suddenly it's not a big deal. Like, it's no big deal. It's commonly reported in hauntings, guys. So, I mean, that's a normal thing, right? Sorry. I don't know. (laughs) Um, It's been described before. But anyways, we were near the back of the theater where they talk about how a woman in gray or white will used to wander the catwalks. And we had actually been recording this. And I I could see on my LCD screen the number was counting down by how many minutes it was, you know, the time time elapsed or whatever. And I knew it was recording because the little red light was on. And so, like, we kept going through the theater, and I wanted to check and see how it was going. And that footage was just gone. It, oh. it was just, and I know that I saw it, it was recording. Yeah. It was just super bizarre to me because I was like, where did that go? Great question. It's it's funny, too, because they had mentioned to us before we even went on the, the tour, they were like, you know, people report a lot of uh, electrical malfunctions and stuff when mm-hmm. they're um, investigating this, this, this theater. And this era, this area specifically. Right. It's that part of mm-hmm. the stage specifically, too. So it's not the first weird thing like that we've had happen to us, but uh, yeah. I, mean, I, I think it's cool every time. Clearly, Emily is, I mean, she's very just laid back about it, but I was, I thought I don't know, it's weird, but at the time, I'm just kind of like, why isn't my camera working? I, well, Stop. I know. Yeah. You know, yes. and then I'm like, whoa, that's, a, that's weird, after the fact. So, but yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, it's, it's a cool building. Uh, anybody who's in the uh, Wisconsin area, uh, September 27th and 28th of this year should definitely check it out. Um because that's when they're having the Paranomicon. That's the Paranormal Conference. Uh, they're going to do live investigations. Um, I know Grant Wilson will be there. Uh, so if anybody wants an opportunity to hunt ghosts with, with Grant Wilson, you can do that the, the Saturday of the conference. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure tickets are still available for that part. Oh, so yeah. You can hear me talk about Lake Michigan Mothman. So. Yeah, I think it'll be a cool event. I'm um, looking forward to it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, no, that sounds really fun. Um, well, uh, yeah, I thank you guys for, thank again, thank you guys for doing this. Um, thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah, uh, so, people can find you on social media at Singular Fortian. Yeah, so, well, I mean, uh, as far as social media is concerned, just look for the, the Singular Fortian Society. Okay. Um, our, uh, our website URL is uh, singularfortian.com, so you can find us there. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about what we do and joining the society, uh, you can find us on Patreon as well. Uh, and there are ways to become official Singular Fortian Society members. Um, but yeah, otherwise, I mean, it's a pretty unique name. So, I mean, any effort at all should, should let you, you know, find us. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was there a, was there any inspiration from Charles Fort? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yes, that is a hundred percent where that came from. Yeah. Awesome. 
Well, cool, guys. Uh, yeah, lots of interesting stuff there. Uh, I really appreciate you doing this again. And, um, yeah, hopefully we, can, hopefully we can do this again sometime when you guys are free.